the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I know, 69. The following program is sponsored. Today on Know the Truth, Philip DeCourcy explains how the gospel is passed from one generation to the next. The job of the local church is what? The careful transmission of truth that has remained and abided true across the centuries. Preach the word. Don't try and be novel. Don't try and be cute. Don't try and think outside the box of the faith once delivered to the saints. Welcome to Know the Truth with pastor and Bible teacher Philip DeCourcy. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Today, Philip reminds us that fearless gospel preaching is at the heart of God's great commission. In Paul's final letter before his death by execution, the apostle is entrusting young Timothy to carry the torch of faith to the next generation. What's your role in faithfully sharing the truth with those who will follow you? Find out when you stay tuned for the conclusion of a message titled Leadership Development. Here's Philip DeCourcy. Well, let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're in an expositional series on 2 Timothy, a series I've called Without Apology. Because one of the key words of 2 Timothy is unashamed. Do not be ashamed. And I just think that needs to be the rallying call in this generation. We need to be fearless, bold, unapologetic, unashamed followers, disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ and preachers of His gospel. And Timothy's going to encourage us. We've looked at the distinction Paul emphasizes you. We've looked at the dependence Paul encourages be strong. Now I want to look at the development Paul entrusts to Timothy. And that's the development of a new and next generation of preachers and pastors. Verse 2, And the things that you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others. Timothy is to perpetuate the Great Commission, to put it honestly. In some ways, chapter 2 and verse 2 is an aspect of the Great Commission where Jesus said to his apostles to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Because by nature, by its genesis and in the light of the commission of the Lord Jesus Christ, Christianity is a faith that is to be propagated and perpetuated. And Paul picks up that theme. Now, It's a pressing priority here, by the way. Let me just step back. Why is this such an urgent commission and call? Because number one, Timothy's going to Paul. Chapter 4, verse 9, we learn that Paul invites Timothy to be diligent to come to him quickly. Now, Paul then is going to leave Ephesus for Rome. There will be a vacuum of leadership. Timothy will not be there. The apostolic delegate will not be there. So there's this urgent need to make sure that there are men there who will step into the breach 
and fill the gap in the hedge and be faithful like Timothy was faithful and preach the same message that Timothy heard from Paul and they heard from Timothy. That's why this is important. Timothy's going to Paul. Secondly, there's apostasy in Asia. There's a departure from the faith going on, chapter 1 and verse 15. Then you've got Paul's impending death. I mean, he's looking at things from the edge of eternity. He knows he's kept the faith. He knows he's fought the fight. Now, the issue is, will the generation coming up from behind him remain as faithful? Or will you deal with the second generation syndrome you see in the book of Judges? There was a generation that grew up who didn't remember the miracles of the Lord. They weren't as passionate as the first generation. They didn't have to pay the same price as the first generation. They're taking things for granted. They're not as committed as the first generation. And so Paul's worried about that. He wants to know that his impact will continue through Timothy and through others whom Timothy will impact. And then, frankly, this is an essential pastoral task. This is what pastors ought to be about. Leaders don't just make followers, they create other leaders. So let's look at this quickly. And there's three things about this development I'll just quickly touch on. The purpose. What is the goal of this leadership development that Timothy is to give himself to? Quite simply, guys, it's the careful transmission of gospel truth. The careful transmission of gospel truth. Verse 14, chapter 1, that good thing which was committed to you, keep. Guard the deposit. Keep the gospel. Protect the treasure. How do we do it? We made this argument right at the beginning. We do it by multiplying ourselves so that the gospel is put into the hands of men who are faithful and able to teach, who will carry on the task. So that's the purpose of this leadership development. Leaders are teachers. I mean, look at verse 2. Pick men who are able to teach. Go back to 1 Timothy 3 and verse 2, and that's one of the qualifications of an elder, a pastor, able to teach. The pastoral ministry is a teaching office, and leaders are to teach, and they're to teach sound doctrine. Verse 13 of chapter 1, hold fast the pattern of sound words, healthy words. You get that again repeated in chapter 4 and verse 3. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. The church needs teachers who are committed to faithful proclamation and the protection of sound doctrine. The gospel must not be allowed to be diluted as time goes by. The next generation of preachers need to preach the old-time religion. They need to be old school in their theology. What was good enough for Paul and Silas? Good enough for Timothy. What was good enough for Timothy was good enough for the man that followed Timothy and those they would impact. That's the purpose, to raise up men who are not given to that which is new and that which is novel. Be weary of preachers that use words like creativity, innovative, new, and novel. Because you and I are to indeed keep the faith, not change it, not dilute it, not play with it, not tinker with it. What's the purpose here? It's to make sure that the men that come up after Timothy and those after them are preaching the faith once delivered to the saints. That's what it's about. 
That's what it's about. That's why when I was given a choice between another school and becoming a board member at the Master's Seminary, I chose the Master's Seminary. Not that the other school wasn't a good choice, but one, I had a natural affinity with Dr. MacArthur, and two, I just love the philosophy at the Master's Seminary. I'm not saying it's not going on at other schools, but John just makes it very pronounced and very upfront. He'll tell the incoming student body at the Master's Seminary each and every time he can, our approach here at the Master's Seminary is indoctrination. We're going to tell you how to think. We're going to tell you what to think, and we're going to encourage you to keep thinking it regardless of what everybody else thinks. Because the job of the local church is what? The careful transmission of truth that has remained and abided true across the centuries. That's why I like the words of P.T. Forsyth. The preacher is not to be original in the sense of being absolutely new, but in the sense of being fresh, of appropriating for his own personality or his own age what is the standing possession of the church in its perennial trust from Christ. Love this phrase. He makes discovery in the gospel, but not of the gospel. Some preachers spoil their work by an incessant strain after novelty and a morbid dread of the commonplace. Is that not the language of today? We're not the church of your grandmother. and We do it this way, and we're new and fresh and innovative. I don't mind being fresh in the sense of making a fresh discovery in the gospel. But today it seems to have spilled over into new discoveries beyond the gospel or apart from the gospel. And pastors have this morbid dread of being seen as traditional and commonplace, and they give themselves and break their necks straining after novelty. No, not according to Paul. I've told you this story. When I was at DTS with my friend Mark Hitchcock, he took me over to meet Dr. Dwight Pentecost, a man I've admired from a distance and whose books lined my shelves. He was in his 90s. He's now with the Lord. We enjoyed a half an hour with him. And at the end, I said, Dr. Pentecost, I've admired you for years, read your books. What would be your words of encouragement to us as younger pastors? His words were, it's out on the front sign of the seminary. And we went out, and the front sign of Dallas Seminary says, Dallas Theological Seminary, and under it, preach the word. Just saying, hey, do what I've done. Preach the Word. Don't try and be novel. Don't try and be cute. Don't try and think outside the box of the faith once delivered to the saints. Okay, that's the purpose. What about the profile? Who qualifies to be entrusted with the gospel? As I said, this is a sermon in itself. I am going to run down this kind of popcorn style, but I would suggest that the profile of a candidate to be trained to be this kind of leader is one, they need to be reliable men, okay, faithful. You can count on them. They've proven their worth within the local church. They'd have to be gifted men, wouldn't they? Paul acknowledges, Timothy, what about the gift given you by the Holy Spirit? Stir it up. Plus, they've got to be able to teach. So they've got to be reliable, and they've got to be able. They've got to be proven, and they must have a proven track record of effectiveness in ministry to go to another level of impact. I think they've also got to be single-minded. I think that's the import of verse 4. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. When you get drafted, 
The thought of marriage, the thought of owning a house, the thought of buying that soft-top sports car, it all gets relegated because it's life and death on the battlefield. The draft, warfare, the battlefield, it singularly focuses a man's mind, doesn't it? He's got one thing on his mind, to get home to that girlfriend. Maybe someday to own a house and drive that car. But right now, it's one thing. Me and my buddies surviving this. The man called by God to forge the impact is a single-minded man. He's got one thing on his mind, the careful transmission of truth. He's hardworking. Hardworking. We see that in verse 6, the hardworking farmer. We see in verse 3, the soldier who endures hardship. We see in chapter 2, verse 15, that when it comes to the study of God's Word, which he must be able to teach, that he will indeed be someone who aspires to be diligent to present himself approved to God, a workman that need not be ashamed. He will be godly. That's a given, but might as well put it out there because in chapter 2, Paul will talk about, hey, we need to be vessels clean and fit and usable for God. Needs to be studious. If he's going to be able to teach the Word, he must be a diligent student of it. He'll love theology. He'll read books. He'll talk about preaching. He'll give himself to an understanding of the text. If he's a working man who hasn't yet been released into full-time ministry, so to speak, he'll do that work after a long day's work. You'll find him into the small hours of the morning under a dimly lit room, studying the Scriptures, getting ready for Bible study or Sunday morning. He's reliable, gifted, single-minded, hardworking, godly, studious, and he's old school. Old school. He believes that he is not there to reinvent the church or to tamper with the gospel. Because what was received by Timothy came from Paul by means of many witnesses, and now it's with him, and it's his job to carefully transmit the truth. He's old school. He's not trying to be new or novel. That's the profile, guys. And we just underscore this thought that the selection process is so critical when it comes to leadership development. Jesus spent the night in prayer before deciding on the twelve. Picking the right person for the job is half the job. And that's a good principle if you're in business or you're a coach. You know? I'd rather be without the person I wished I had than have the person I wished I didn't have. And selection's important. Lou Holtz, the famous Notre Dame coach, said, you've got to have great athletes to win. You cannot win without good players, but you can lose with them, and that's where coaching comes in. Love that quote. See what he's saying? Look, you can't win without good players. But sometimes you don't win with good players, but that's then your role as a coach to make them better. But you want to go from good to best. It's much harder to go from bad to good. Selection's important. And this profile's important. Dr. Ivor Oakley said to us at the Irish Baptist College, where I was initially trained, we can make you a better preacher, but we cannot make you a preacher. Finally, guys, the purpose, the profile, the process. We know we ought to be doing this. Timothy's called to it. And while it's not explicit, I think there are several things that are implicit about the process, how we go about developing leaders. Again, a message in itself, popcorn style. I think the process has to be open. 
This is not a behind-the-doors secretive thing where you've got you know, a few insiders training a few insiders. This was done before many witnesses. This process, there was many witnesses involved in this. It was open. It was intimate. My son. There's an affection between the trainer and the trainee. There's a love between these men. There's a bond. It's a bond of brothers committed to the careful transmission of truth. It's open. It's intimate. It's theological. The things you heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, now you pass on to others. Things heard. It's theological doctrine. It's book-oriented. It's not only theological, it's integrated. It's integrated with the body life of the church. This doesn't go on in isolation. The local church is the laboratory for this kind of leadership development. Because look at what Paul says, in the presence of many witnesses. All of this took place. It was open, it was intimate, it was theological, and it was integrated. It was rigorous. It wasn't for mamby-pamby men. If they don't want to do the hard work of studying, if they don't want to put in the graft, they're going to bellyache about tests and papers and demands. No. That's why he says, be strong, because the ministry is not easy. It's progressive. You know, Timothy didn't get all that he needed from Paul in one session. And it wasn't just Paul. Many witnesses were involved. Other men were involved in the process. And so to me, it was progressive. Many people on many occasions across time, convictional, commit to faithful men. They need to be men of conviction. Well, it may take time for some of them to come to certain convictions, but they will be men of convictions committed to the gospel. And it's focused. We're back to the purpose. This leadership development fundamentally is to produce men able to teach. Not innovative, not creative leaders, but faithful expositors of the truth. Just a few weeks ago, I was in Dallas at the pre-trib conference that I go to each year. The Lord used prophecy to bring me to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, Matthew 24, 44. In such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man comes. I've always had a love for the second coming of the Lord Jesus. I have a passion for it. It bothers me that it's being relegated today as a kind of optional doctrine. A fifth of the Bible is prophetic. The crowning book of the revelation of God is all about the future. I've always had a love for prophecy. And, and so for several years, I've gone with my friend who's ministered here, Dr. Mark Hitchcock, who pastors in Oklahoma and teaches at Dallas Seminary. He's an author of 25 books on the area of prophecy. So this year we went, and part of this year's kind of focus was on the fact that the pre-trib conference had started 25 years ago under the auspices of Tim LaHaye and men like Ed Heinsohn and Tommy Ice. And in 2016, we marked the fact that that was the 25th year of the pre-trib conference and think tank, and it was the year that we saw the passing of Dr. Tim LaHaye. His wife was there. We honored her. Uh, a couple of young men who had been impacted by him spoke. And then at the end of it, Ed Heinsohn, he got up, shared that, and he got off on a little kind of a thing about Elijah and Elisha on the mantle. Remember that scene in the Old Testament? Elijah's ministry is wrapping up Elisha. Hey, what do you want? I want a double portion. Whatever he did, I want to do it more. And as he's going to heaven, 
you know, that the kind of the mantle or the cloak of Elijah falls on Elisha, and he picks it up. And in the meeting, Dr. Heinsohn had a Jewish prayer shawl. And as he shared his passion for prophecy and that the young men of the next generation pick up the mantle that he and the Lahays of this world are leaving down, that they would pick that up. And in a dramatic moment, before us all, he took that prayer shawl and he dropped it on the floor from the platform. And then he said, I dare any young man under 40 to come up and pick it up. Several young men went up along with others. It was a dramatic moment. Are you going to pick this mantle up? Am I going to go to my grave realizing that the next generation has no passion for this? The blessed hope of the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, the Lord Jesus. Guys, that's just one mantle of many mantles that this generation needs to pick up. And 2 Timothy 2, 1-2 has dropped a challenge at every man's feet. Every father, every man who's got an influence for Jesus Christ in the community, every man who aspires to have some kind of impact in local church leadership, pick up the mantle. Be faithful to the gospel. Guard the treasure. Pray and work passionately towards a 4G, a four-generation impact. Let's pray. Lord, we don't want to be men of the moment. We want to be men like Abraham Lincoln. It was said of him at his death, now he belongs to the ages. We want to belong to the ages. We want to be part of this eternal enterprise that started in the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we want to be faithful to your great commission. Thank you for these men. They're a joy to my heart. May this thought of 4G impact really grab hold of us. And whether we end up in pastoral ministry or not, we've got to challenge ourselves, am I doing this with my children? Am I doing this within my country? Am I carefully transmitting the truth? Am I modeling it? Am I standing boldly for it? Because the church is only one generation away from apostasy and apathy and trouble. Lord, supply a pipeline of godly men and godly ministers who are making an impact for Jesus Christ. And everybody said, Amen. You are listening to Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy. Today's message is the conclusion of a three-part message called Leadership Development. Philip is encouraging us to play our part in forging a legacy of faith that will carry into future generations. If you want to share this series with your small group, purchase all of the messages in one handy CD album. Just go online to ktt.org. On our website, you can also download individual messages free of charge. Now, building a legacy of faith begins in the home. So whether you're a father, a future father, or you want to encourage a father in your life, you'll want to get a hold of this month's featured resource, a book titled Anchorman by Philip's friend Steve Farrar. It's written for fathers and husbands who want to lay a foundation of faith for their sons and daughters to last the next 100 years. Sounds like an ambitious goal? Well, Steve Farrar shows us how God makes it possible. Ask for this valuable resource when you give to the ministry of Know the Truth, Donate online at ktt.org or call 888-644-8811. 
You can also send your donation and request the book titled Anchorman when you give by mail to Know the Truth, Post Office Box 30250, Anaheim Hills, California, 92809. And if you've benefited from the ministry of Know the Truth, let us know. Philip would love to hear from you today. At Know the Truth, we make it our mission to help you strengthen your faith through in-depth expository Bible teaching. But Philip DeCourcy's daily messages aren't possible without the participation of listeners like you. And we greatly appreciate your generosity. Give a one-time gift or become a monthly Truth Ambassador. Call in your donation to 888-644-8811 or give online at ktt.org. I'm your host, Wayne Shepherd, inviting you back tomorrow for another message in our series titled, Without Apology. Join us right here, Friday, on Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow, and like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap, even though I slept eight hours. When I invented my pillow, I wanted it to where you can move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep sleep faster, and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed; it's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever. You can buy one of my pillows and get one absolutely free. Call 800-517-3636 or go to MyPillow.com and use the promo code WAVA. That's 800-516-3636 or go to MyPillow.com. Use the promo code WAVA. 800-517-3636. Hello, I'm Pastor. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.